Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. How many of you are ready for the Word? We're going to get into it this time, okay? You ready for the Word? Well, open up your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Revelations chapter 14, verse 6. And we want to start at this passage. The title of this particular message of Tribe and Tongues is Go. Uh, we've been looking at it uh, over the last few weeks here. We started out with salt and light, and then uh, the subject of prayer. And then last week, Pastor Deb brought the message titled Send. And today, Go. And so we're going to be focused on the G-O, two words that make a big deal in so many people's lives. So if you have Revelation 14.6, let's read this. Let's take a look at that. I'm reading this passage from the New King James Version. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So here we see the message of the gospel being proclaimed to every tribe, tongue, and people. And realize in, in the prefix of this, it's referring to the end of time. In the end of time, God will anoint an angel the preach, to preach the everlasting gospel to every tribe and every tongue, to every person on this planet people of all languages. Until then, it's up to us. So my suggestion in even presenting this verse is don't wait for this angel to do what you've been commissioned to do because we're going to find out what we've been commissioned to do that this angel will do in the last time because God's heart of love is to see that everyone is reached. And if we fail as disciples and followers of Christ then God's going to send that angel to do the job. But it's our job right now, okay? Language is often the barrier that hinders us from telling others about Jesus. And I'm not just talking about a foreign language. I'm talking about speaking the language that can effectively reach this cult culture. Because so many of us don't know how to bring the gospel and articulate it to the people of this culture because of our Christianese, because of the, the things that maybe our King James language and all that, thus, thou, you know, <laughs> and all those things. And people are looking at us and say, what are they talking about? So we want to bring the gospel to the culture in a language that they can receive it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to be able to receive your word. Father, help us to receive the truth today that can impact our hearts and lives. And Father, help us to be able to relate the truth to those that we encounter, those we come in contact with. Help us to be relatable in how we live and conduct our lives as a witness. Father, as one that would accurately represent who you are and represent Jesus Christ who died for us. In Jesus' name, 
we pray. Amen. Now, I just wanted to mention this. If you are new to Refuge, you need to know that at Refuge, we believe that all people matter to God. See, this is a place where you can grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. And so today, as I share that, prepare to grow, prepare to experience and encounter more of God. Because I believe he wants to meet you today in a very significant way. Because this message that I'm going to share is important and it relates to you. It's something that involves your life and how you live it and how you carry it out. Now, one of the meanings of refuge is elevated fortress. And the choosing of this name, I believe, was something that God revealed to us. It's a place that you go when you're in trouble. A refuge is a place where you go when enemies are attacking you. Or it's a place of shelter from the storm. So what is your refuge? What is your safe place? And I believe church is to be that for God's people and for people that are coming to know him and inquire about him and find their purpose for their life. But Psalms, actually, Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We know God is our refuge, but he's established places of refuge in this earth. And I truly believe the church needs to be a refuge for all people. And so we're glad you're here. And I'm glad and excited about what God is doing in our lives. Last week, Pastor Deb, as I said, shared the message on send. And, you know, sending is an interesting topic, and I think she did an awesome job. She showed such passion and really uh, blessed us. Were you blessed by that message last week if you were here? If not, you can get it online. Um, it's not the seating capacity of a church that's important. It's the sending ability. It really is. Now, I'm going to have a show of hands. How many of you have been involved, you've either gone on a mission trip, maybe uh, uh, abroad or here at home, or in some way served like at a homeless shelter, or been involved in serving in some capacity with a mission of reaching people with the love of Jesus. How many of you would lift your hand? Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I commend you for your heart to serve. And for those of you looking around, that's, that's a, a pretty good percentage of the people in this auditorium. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to serve in some capacity, uh, I believe after today, you're going to decide to do so uh, because it's a, a way that God can reveal more of himself to you and it's a way that you can, can connect with him and really discover your purpose. Now, sometimes the package... The sender intends the send does not reach the destination or it could be delayed. And Pastor Deb addressed that last week. And, and a number of years ago, and, and I was going to share this, we sent a container to Africa. Uh, we were uh, blessed to purchase some uh, very quality uh, clothing and uniforms uh, uh, for school students. In Uganda, we were able to get $200,000 worth of clothing 
for about $8,000. And as this company had gone bankrupt and we negotiated with the bank who was doing the bankruptcy, and they, they said, because it's going to this mission, we'll reduce the price. So we thought, great. So we got a container. We put a bunch of other things in the uh, Wassel paper, donated a bunch of paper. Other organizations came together, donated the stuff. We put school desks in there. We packed that container full of goods. We even had ceramic tile. We had clothes in there. In fact, I had promised that we are not going to let one square inch of that container be empty. We're going to fill it up. And so there was a little bit of space the night before it was to be shipped. And so it was a back out here on the property by our sheds. And, and so I came home and I told the family, okay, gather whatever you want. We're going to pack this thing full. So we went through our closets. I went, I grabbed suits, you know, and I don't wear too many suits today, but they wear them in Africa. And just grabbing what we could because we wanted to make sure that container would be full. So we were sticking them in, in plastic bags. And lo and behold, there was one of my suits that uh, Deb had put in, like, all of her rings. When we had gone on a trip, and if she didn't want to take her rings, she would uh, put them in one of my suit pockets, kind of to hide them. And lo and behold, uh, she forgot to take them out of there, so that ended up going in that container to Africa. And so the container arrives... And then the receiving end, Bishop Grievous Musisi in the prayer palace over there, they had let their permit expire only one month. And so they didn't have the proper documentation to receive that container. And so it sat in customs for one year. Which, you know, all that stuff, I'm thinking those people need it. It was like, this is such a burden. We, you know, the cost of putting that thing together was about 20000 to ship it and get everything in there that we got in there. And then it's sitting in dock. So I went to Uganda, and I was able to connect with the Secretary of State and make my plea. Say, release that container. They, then they said, okay, we'll do it for $10,000. I said, No! <laughs> And so we, we battled along. We finally negotiated. We got it down to about $2,600. And uh, we were able to raise that, you know, actually overnight, you know, through the body here. And we were able to release that container uh, so that those goods could be used over there. But I was thinking about the delay of what is sent. I believe that God is wanting to eliminate those situations that would delay the message from receiving the intended destination, okay? And so uh, I share all that to say, and, and then actually uh, Pastor Deb got her rings back. Uh, this, and, and there was some in there like from her great-grandmother engagement ring. So there were some precious ones there that we didn't just want to give away or donate. So that's uh, kind of a keepsake for the family anyway. But she got her rings back. <laughs> anyway, today's message is go. What's the mission of the church? I want you to open up to two places where we see the Great Commission shared in Scripture. Mark sixteen fifteen is the first one, and Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 is the second. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus is speaking, and this was just prior to his ascension to heaven when he left the earth, and return to God's glory. Uh, 
he states, the scripture reads, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. To the whole creation. So that means this whole creation we're to proclaim the gospel to. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we see Matthew's rendition of this uh, particular moment in time. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority. And let me just stop here. Sometimes people question, like, why are the Gospels, even though they're sharing the same message, they may say it differently. Well, it's, it's this way. If you're looking at a mountain, and if you're looking at it from this direction, from the north, somebody's looking at it from the south, somebody's looking at it from the east or the west, you're seeing different perspectives of it. And, and certain things, like if you're taking notes and you're documenting something, you may write down something different than I write down taking those notes. But so when the Gospels are all paralleled together, we can get the true and full picture of what really happened in these, in these stories and the settings that we see in Scripture, okay? So Matthew, we see a little more detail, a, a little more of what happened on that day that Jesus commissioned the church. And Jesus came and said to them, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's got all authority. So he can do whatever he wants with that authority, okay? He's in charge. Verse 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So not only did he commission his disciples to take the gospel to all the world, he also said, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be there. His presence is there by his spirit living and dwelling within us. Okay. Now, the Great Commission, the term has been derived from Jesus' final instruction to his followers before his ascension into heaven. The Great Commission is actually the reflection of the heart of God to reach every tribe and every tongue. And notice it's not the great suggestion. So really we have to take this seriously. And we have to determine what is our part to fulfill in the Great Commission. When I sensed that God had called me to pastor and when I left Oklahoma, made my way back home to Wisconsin and began this church in 1984, that mindset was very strong in me. It still is. Lord, I want to do my part to fulfill the Great Commission. And that's my challenge that I convey to you as a church body, body believers. Commit in purpose to do your part to fulfill in the Great Commission. Each of us have a part. Each of us have a role. Each of us has a responsibility. And we need to discover that and to know that so that we can take the steps to carry it out. And it may be something just reaching your neighbor or reaching your neighborhood, doing something locally, doing something maybe in another town, another city, another place, or even to the remotest part of the earth. And, and I think I've been there to the end of the earth. So I'll tell you about that some other time. So um, here's a statement, a quote by Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor was a Protestant Christian missionary to China 
and is the founder of China Inland Ministry, which is known as SIM. And he lived from 1832 to 1905. But this is a statement that he, he made in his lifetime. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. Okay? It's not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. Now, I have a statement of my own. So you can quote me on this, okay? The church, as salt and light, is a blockade and barrier against evil from prevailing and invading our community. Realize that part of the Great Commission is the church is that lighthouse. We're salt and light to this community. You know, there's a number of wonderful Bible-believing churches in this community, and we celebrate what they're doing we are actually in partnership with them to reach this community. But you remove those churches, and you know, all hell will break loose and be released on this community. The church and churches in the community are the salt that preserves and the light that illuminates and shows the path to righteousness, the path to God. And so thank God for churches that have been raised up in cities and communities around the world. Okay, so go. And, and, and you might say, okay, why did I share that? Well, in understanding the Great Commission, God places churches. And churches have a purpose and a place for training and equipping people so that they can fulfill the Great Commission. So that they can prevent evil from prevailing over a community or within a culture. Okay. Now, go, the word go is a very empowering word. Um, Merriam-Webster defines it as to move on a course, to proceed, to take action, to take a certain course or follow a certain procedure, okay? Now, the free dictionary defines it very similarly. It says to pursue a certain course. So there's a course, there's a path, there's a directive that God has for us. Now, go, this word, and, and other times in the, in the Bible that may be rent, rendered as went, uh, occurs very frequently in the English Bible and is translated in various forms in the Hebrew and the Greek. But the word implies movement of all kinds, physical, mental, and it has many applications. Uh, the Greek word for go, I'm, I'm not going to tr attempt to pronounce it, that we see in Matthew 28, 19 is, I'm going to spell it for you if you want to write this down. It's P-O-R-E-U-A-M-A-I. Okay, if you want to take a, a crack at trying to pronounce that, go ahead. But it's actually defined as I travel. Isn't that interesting? I travel. Journey. Go. Or die. You've heard the expression, well, everyone has their time to go. What's that in reference to? That's in reference to death, okay? So I thought, well, that's interesting. And, and really, there is a death when we answer the call to the Great Commission because we have to, at times, die to our own interests, our own preferences, our own objectives. And so there is a death involved when we answer the Great Commission. And so uh, I thought that was interesting that the Greek actually brings that out. Um, it also uh, 
is defined in the Greek as to transport, moving something from one destination or port to another. Figuratively, to go is to depart, emphasizing the personal meaning which is attached to reaching the particular destination. And so when God gives a go, he has a destination in mind for you, okay? Now here's a quote by Brother Andrew. Now Andrew Murray was a Christian missionary noted for his exploits smuggling Bibles to communist countries uh, in the height of the Cold War, okay? In fact, that was a feat that earned him the nickname God Smuggler. And I don't know if you've read that book, God Smuggler. I read that book and I was inspired. But he states, of course it's dangerous, and that is to go to all the world. But it's a lot more dangerous for all of us if we don't do it. Even in a conquering army, there is or there are casualties. Safety is not the issue when we look at the Great Commission. The purpose of the church cannot be to survive or even to thrive, but to serve. Wow. Now, you know, I was so greatly inspired by Andrew Murray. And back in 1980, I was attending UWSP at the time here in town. And I was uh, uh, privileged to go to the Soviet Union. At that time, it was called the Soviet Union before the wall had fallen and the Soviet Union was dissolved. Um, And I went with a a group of university students from all the uh, school systems in the state. There were about 90 of us in total. And being inspired by God Smuggler, I thought, I'm going to bring some Russian Bibles into Russia, okay, and into the Soviet Union. And so I was able to acquire them. It was a lot harder to get hold of Russian Bibles within the United States. So I actually was able to contact a ministry in Sweden, and they sent me two copies. And I said, well, that's better than none. And so I had to pay for the shipping and all that. I got the Bibles. I talked to Professor Dr. Price, who's now gone to be home with the Lord. At the time, he was my professor. And I said, you know, I'm, I plan to do this. I just want you to know because I don't want to get us in trouble. And he said, well, it is illegal. It's considered contraband. You cannot bring Bibles in. He said, most likely if they discover, if they find them in your suitcase, they will confiscate them. But he said, I don't know that anything more serious would happen to that. I said, okay, I'm, okay, I'm good with that. So I, have, I, I receive these Bibles. Then I pray over them, and I had my family pray over them. And, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to put them on the top of the suitcase. Now, if you read The God Smuggler, uh, Andrew Murray would literally take, uh, like, tons of Bibles in his car. And sometimes he would put them in the trunk. Sometimes he'd put them in his back seat. Sometimes he'd put them in uh, containers under the vehicle. But he was smuggling Bibles into the Soviet Union uh, for years. And, but he'd always pray, Lord, show me where to put them. And so the time they had put them in his trunk, the, the uh, officers would go under the vehicle, look inside the vehicle, but they'd never look in the trunk. And he would drive off. And so that was miraculous. And so now here I am. We fly with this group to Helsinki, Finland. We arrive in Helsinki. We have one day over there to Troy, Helsinki, beautiful city uh, uh, in um, Norway. And so then the next day we get on a train and we approach to the Soviet Union. 
And when we get to the border, uh, the Finnish people got off and the Soviets came on. And, and we were in cabin cars, so there were four people per cabin. Uh, and so they were like sleeper cars. And so there's, you know, basically four bunks in each of these sleeper cars. And there's three other guys in there with me, uh, students uh, from the UW system. And so the officer comes in and he's gruff, he's mean, he's like, pretty staunch. And he says, I need your visas and passports. And so I give him mine. The other three guys give him theirs. And then uh, he said, step out. And I start to go out because into the hallway of, of the train next to these cabins. And he says, no, you stay. I thought, okay. And so uh, this officer begins to open up. And, and he's like a fully decked soldier. You know, he had the gun, everything. He looked like, like what you see in the movies, okay? <laughs> and so he, he takes the ceiling panel off. He's looking in the, up in the ceiling. He's looking under the mattresses. He's kind of going through this whole thing. And then he comes up to me and he begins to interrogate me. He says, what do you have with you? And then he goes to a list. And he's saying drugs and all these things. I don't remember the other things. But then he said Bibles. And I stopped and he said, yes, I have Bibles. And he looked at me and said, do you have a personal Bible or do you have other Bibles? I says, I have other Bibles. And he gets really gruff and he said, may I see them? And I'm really nervous, you know. I get my suitcase and I open up the suitcase. And there they are sitting right on top of my suitcase in full view. And this officer picks those Bibles up and he begins to flip through them. He, he notices that they're Russian Bibles. And he said, where did you get these? And I, said, I explained why I got them. He said, what do you plan to do with them? And he said, I plan to give them as gifts to Soviet believers. And then he said something to me. He said, do you trust God? And now I'm being tested. I said, yes, I trust God. He said, very well then. He put the Bibles back. He closed the suitcase. And he had a smile on his face. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so I really believe God gave me a Christian a soldier there. Uh, because after that, it's like I could tell he wanted to be around me. And, and so a little bit. So I, you talk about that moment. Fear, anxiety, and all that stuff lifted off of me. And a courageousness that I can boldly go where no man has gone before. <laughs> and so when, when we, we got to Russia, now I, there's so much more I could share, but because of time, I'm going to just share a couple more things. I had talked to Dr. Price. I mean, Dr. Price, he came in there after that. I told him the story. He said, This is amazing. This is amazing. He said, this is my eighth trip to the Soviet Union. I've never heard or seen anything like this. And so, and I'd ask him permission. I said, you know, I know you have all these tours planned, but I want to do some prayer walks down the streets of Moscow. And, and so I did that. You know, I, I took hours. I'd walk and I'd just pray. I'd pray, Lord, visit this country with revival. Break this stronghold of communism. And as I'm praying, you know, uh, there was actually one time I, I got lost and, 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 I, and I had my map, and I had taken about a, about a semester and a half of Russian language, so I could speak a little Russian. 
Minyazavut is Matfei. That's my name is Matthew. Okay. <laughs> my familia, Malik. My last name is Malik. Okay. A little Russian. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> I'm looking at the map and I'm trying to find the nearest place to get to the subway so I can return to the hotel. And I see a police officer on the corner. So I walk up to him and, and I ask him in what little Russian I knew, could you give me directions? And what was really strange is he looked at me and he looked over here and I turned and said, who is he looking at? And then he literally turned and ran away. And I'm thinking, I should be the one running away, not you. And, and so later somebody told him, well, maybe they saw you ministering angel. And they just got scared and took off. I said, I, I don't know, but... Uh, that actually happened, honest to God. Anyway, uh, while I was there, I was able to give those Bibles to a couple of believers, and, and, and they were so well-received. It was like giving them a brick of gold. And I was able to be in some services with believers, and, and, and my heart was so moved to see how committed and dedicated those people were under the, the pressure of communism that was imprisoning and putting people to death. For 70 years, the country was persecuted under that regime of, uh, that was so anti-God, anti-Christ. Um, ten years later, I was privileged to return during the Great Awakening when the wall had fallen and where the universities were opened. We went with a team of other mis- uh, ministers where we actually went in Moscow State University And the professor said, tell them anything you want. And basically, we shared the gospel. And a classroom classroom full of students, when I gave an invitation for those that want to give their hearts to Christ and receive him, they all raised their hand. And I had to actually repeat it. Are you sure you understand what I'm asking you to do? And so we saw signs, miracles, and wonders. And one memorable thing was I was praying with a Russian soldier to receive Christ holding his hand, hands in the tears streaming down his eyes as he was professing Christ as his Lord. And we worked with interpreters through that, but some of, in the university, these were also English students. They were learning the English language, so we were able to share the gospel. And there were a couple of young people, young students, I was able to pray with individually, too, to receive Christ. What a, what a great privilege to be able to witness that. Now, Oswald Smith, uh, here's a quote from him. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. That's a pretty strong, strong statement, don't you think? Yet it's possible for the Great Commission to become the great omission if you drop the C. And the see is, what I see is seeing the need, seeing the heart of God, seeing what he wants us to do, having revelation of it. So don't allow the Great Commission to be a great omission in your life. Another quote from Oswald Smith is, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. I believe that's true. Um, I've got a couple more quotes here. Just bear with me. Pat Morley states, 
If the Great Commission is true, our plans are not too big. They are too small. Now, Jesus, you know, he, he gave us instruction in these regards. Uh, the Great Commission really is the marching orders for the church. It's the marching orders for the church. Richard Wormbrand, who wrote the book Tortured for Christ, who also uh, was imprisoned in Russia in the concentration camps during the time of the Soviet Union, he, he stated in this quote, Jesus said, teach all nations. He never said that we need government permission to evangelize. Faithfulness to God and the Great Commission compels us to reach beyond borders to people in restricted nations. And just because they don't let you in doesn't mean we can't find a way. God will always find a way. The underground church in China, there are so many missionaries there proclaiming the gospel, even though in many places it's illegal. But they're doing it in a way that people can receive it and, and be undercover in that sense. The underground church in Russia for years was operating and thriving even though it was against the law. Sometimes the laws of man, if they don't confer to the laws of God, need to be broken, need to be violated, okay? Okay, let me say a few things as, as we continue in this message. See, we need to understand clearly the basic thing that God wants us to do. And when I say us, I say the church to do. What is the church called to do? What is the church called to be? See, are we doing what he asks us to do in the way that pleases him? See, we're not just to live our lives any way we please. If, if we've given our hearts to Christ, he is our Lord. He is not only our Savior, but he's our Lord. He's our boss. He's the one that will determine our course, our future. But if we don't take time to seek him and hear from him, we'll miss what he's designed and commissioned for us to do. You know, I think of uh, the Silvers here from Brazil. They left their country to be missionaries to America. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we need missionaries too. And they're heading a Hispanic group and, and doing such a wonderful job. Their hearts are so amazing. And we're so blessed to have them be a part of refuge. Amen? See, we do care whether you go to hell or not. We do care about the battles you face and the difficulties you encounter in life. See, we care whether you come out of sin or not. We don't want you to stay in bondage to sin. We don't want you to stay afflicted with sickness. We care about broken hearts at refuge. See, when Jesus said go, Every time he says go, something significant occurs. And as I was praying last night, I thought I had my message wrapped up. And as I was praying, I felt like the Lord compelled me to go and search the scriptures to find out other times when Jesus said go. And I discovered there's quite a few things and quite a few times that Jesus instructed people to go. One of them is Matthew 19, 13, where Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So God wants us to go and learn about his mercy. We need to find out what does it really mean that God is merciful and that, that he's, he has a love for sinners. And pe- people that people say, well, we don't want to do any, have anything to do with those people. But Jesus loves them and has mercy for them. How about John 8, 11? This was the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And standing before her accusers, Jesus was questioned. And all of the accusers finally left, and Jesus and her were standing alone. And there, were no more, no, there was no one else to accuse her. And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. He empowered her to live free from sin. So go and be free from this stronghold that's been in your life. We see in Mark chapter 10, 21, and Jesus looking at him, loved him. This was the rich young ruler. He had it all, and he really thought he had it all together. He was doing everything right. He was following the law, the commandments. But Jesus required one thing of him, to be a giver. And notice what it says, and also invitation to follow him. Looking at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing, go. So all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So he gave him an assignment that he failed to accomplish. But yet he lost out on an opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus, which was far more valuable than anything he owned or had. And then we see in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, concerning healing. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. A blind man received his sight when he went. And, and so we, we see this also. Now going back to Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. Let's look at this passage again in the English Standard Version. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now there's three things Jesus told us to do in this commission. The first one is make disciples. In other words, win others to Jesus. A disciple is more than just a convert. A disciple is a disciplined follower where you establish disciplines in your life so that you can follow Christ, like the discipline of prayer, the discipline of reading your Bible, the discipline of going to church, the discipline of connecting with other believers, uh, being in a discipleship group, being in a small group. Those are all spiritual disciplines that help us to grow in our faith with God. Okay? And so, um, uh, Pastor Jonathan Hayashi, who pastored in Illinois and a number of other places, He makes a statement, you're either making disciples or making excuses. Which one are you, okay? Oh, what's the excuse? You know, Jesus even had a go for this one. In Luke 9, 60, Jesus said to them, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So Jesus was giving this go message even before the Great Commission was given before his ascension. He was sharing it throughout his ministry. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
The second thing that the Great Commission uh, tells us to do is to baptize. And we're going to have a baptism service uh, in the near future. And a baptism is, is immersion in water. It's a testimony that we die to our old way of life. We rise up in new life in Christ. It's a witness and a testimony to the world that we're followers of Christ. And Jesus told us to do that. And when we do that, you know, heaven shows up. How many of you have been water baptized and you just say, now that was so awesome. Amen? And, and it's, being in, it's obedience to what we've been commissioned to do, okay? And then number three, teach them. Teach them. The church is the teaching center of the body of Christ. See, we don't just need inspiration. We need information that's based on the revelation of the Bible, right? In fact, we need to be taught who we are in Christ, what our rights and privileges are. We need to be taught how to live right, okay? How to overcome temptation, how to deal with all the things that we face in this life, okay? Uh, it's interesting that in the original Greek, the only specific command in Matthew 18, or 28, verses 19 through 20, is to make disciples. Because if we're making disciples, we're going to baptize them. If we're making disciples, uh, we're going to teach them. We're going to train them, okay? That's all part of it. See, one verse you need to understand to answer the goal is to be empowered. We see that. In Acts 1.8, the goal factor revolves around Acts 1.8. Find your place there, okay, if you would. Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That means right here at home. In Judea and Samaria. That means, you know, all men. You know, Marshfield, other places nearby, and to the end of the earth. So whether it's other places in the state, other states, other countries, other continents, it spreads out. But the fact is, we are given power to be witnesses. Now, a witness is different than the judge in the court of law. A witness is not the attorney. You are the witness who testifies of what, of what you know about Jesus. And see, a witness is somebody that's firsthand. There's no such thing as a secondhand witness. Um, I, ha I have to share this. Give me a, a minute to share this. A number of years ago, I got a, a speeding ticket in the state of Idaho. And I had out of plate, I was living there, but I still had Wisconsin plates, so I got cited for that. And uh, there were, I was stopped with a chain of other cars, and the officer just gave, wrote us all tickets. But I wasn't speeding. I really wasn't speeding. I was going the speed limit, but I was cited for going over the speed limit, so I wanted to contest it. So I didn't have an attorney. I didn't have the money for that, so I represented myself. And I brought my brother, Mike, as a character witness into the court of law. And so as I'm pleading my case, defending myself, um, I, he said, do you have any witnesses? I said, yes, I have a witness, my brother. So he comes forward. And, and then uh, the judge, you know, asked questions, your name, your address, and this. 
And then he said, uh, were you with him at the time? And he said, no. He said, then why are you on this stand? <laughs> you are not a witness. And then I said, well, I thought he would be a good character witness is not what's in question here. And, and then I'm thinking, okay, I just lost this case. Last time I'm going to defend myself, you know. I don't recommend that. Uh, I think my brother did that one time too, David. He's here, my younger brother. But that was my older brother that I wanted to use as a character witness. But it's interesting um, because the speed limit was 55. And the judge says, now, unfortunately, because uh, the law is still 70 in the state of Oklahoma, but the speed limit is 55. We did a technicality there. So the only penalty here is a $5 charge. What? I went through all this for $5. So I tell you, I walked away from that place shaking my head. I said, the government is really interesting, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, that was a few years ago. So a witness. Do you know why you get up every morning? And what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, you have a greater purpose in life. You're a witness for Jesus. Your purpose, your goal in life is significant when you understand that you are a witness. So there's a call to the nations and world missions as we go to Ghana. And I wanted to share this before we close. Um, God appeals to us through our heart, through our intelligence, and through our conscience. And as, as we prepare to go on this trip, we want to give the body of refuge an opportunity to participate because not all of you will be able to pack on that air jet, that airliner, and go with me. But you can have a part and get the same reward as those who go and, and spend the time and the effort and the labor and their own expenses to get there. Um, because what we're doing, that we want to make a, a maximum impact with our time, with our resources to really help equip and ministry to pastors and communities and, and share the gospel with the lost. But I believe God's appealing to our hearts for the mission of giving into his work. See, we have a command to go, an invitation, an open door to go to Ghana. It's an opportunity. We could miss it. We could say, no, let's not go. But the door is open and there's peace. There's a witness that, yes, now's the time now's the, for us to go to Ghana. And so, let me just say this. What doesn't touch your heart will not touch your wallet. And so, if God somehow touches your heart about this trip to Ghana, respond. Respond to giving something that could be significant in helping on this trip. And I want to share the scripture, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Every time we give our treasure to God in his kingdom, our heart follows. And, and I tell you, there's so many times when I've, I've given to a ministry, I've given to an organization, and there's a heart connection because that gift has brought my heart into that place and a connection takes place. And see, Jesus, you know, understanding that principle, he knew that when he is appealing to the people. He says, wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is. You know, and, and I, I've said this in the past. If you give me your checkbook, and not too many people have checkbooks, but if you show me where you're spending your money, I can tell you where your heart is. 
Now, if you are an avid hunter or fisher, fisherman, and you've got all this stuff invested in hunting apparel and guns and boats for fishing and fishing poles, and, and I see, oh, a, a good portion of money is, is designated for that, I can tell you, your heart, that's where your heart is. Now, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because those are things we enjoy. But the principle is wherever you put your treasure, your heart is connected. And so we appeal to you in that fashion. I want you to stand up together and, and we're going to take a moment and pray. And, and I know you're here today. Uh, many of you have heard the gospel before. If you've never really heard a clear gospel message, the message of the gospel is God sent Jesus, his son, to die for sinners, to die for people that were lost and hopelessly separated from him. Jesus came to take our place to substitute himself so that we could be free where he took our sin upon himself he took the punishment that we deserved he took all the junk that was a consequence of our sins upon himself he paid that price through the shedding of his blood and yet he rose from the dead to break the power of death hell and the grave to impart life to you and me in Ephesians chapter 2 the scripture says verse 5 even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. We were dead in our sins. We had no hope. We had no future. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus came to give us life. I want you to bow your heads today. And if you're here, you say, Pastor, I do not know that my life is right with God. If I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I don't know that I would be welcomed into God's presence because I haven't really surrendered myself fully. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to completely turn my life over to him and receive the gift of eternal life to receive forgiveness of sins to receive salvation just hold up your hand if that's you and we're going to pray with you and for you okay thank you let's pray this prayer together and as we pray this prayer together I want you to hold your hands out like this and, and that's a position of receiving where you're receiving what God has for you in this moment and maybe you've already received salvation, but maybe you need to receive peace this morning. Maybe you need to receive an answer this morning. Maybe you need to step out to obey and answer the goal that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. And we're grateful for the ministry of your word. Father, I thank you for those that have responded to your call today. We pray, Lord, that you minister to each person, that they receive what they have need of in this moment. Father, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Now repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, 
I come to you. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll begin to thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, let's worship God. And as you worship him, say yes. Say, Lord, I want to do my part in the Great Commission. Be deliberate with that. Be intentional with that. Lord, I want to do my part to serve in the Great Commission, to answer the goal, to answer the call. Amen. Thank you. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.